CheersCast is a part of the Fire and Water Network. Where do you want to sit, Norm? Uh, that table right there is fine. What can I get you to drink? Oh, I'm sure whatever you have will be fine with me, Norm. Oh. Don't be ridiculous. Well, I don't know. Let's, uh, let's just submit this to our resident expert on uh, womenology. Well, I don't usually think of myself <laughs> I'd be happy to share any thoughts I have with you, Cliff Owens. So what do you think, Sam? I think she's scouting your territory. Norman, ignore these blather skites. They're just having fun at your expense. She's absolutely right, Normie. The emptiness of their lives causes them to cast aspersions on your own. Don't say that again, Coach. No, I can't, Diana. <laughs> Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. Everybody knows your name You wanna go where people know People are all the same You wanna go where everybody knows your name Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and joining me for this episode is a returning guest who appeared on the Season 1 finale with two of his cohorts from the Longbox Crusade. You should know him as a co-host on Crusader Chronicles and Action Film Face-Off. Please welcome my favorite of the Albrecht brothers, Jason Weasel Skull Albrecht. What's up, man? Oh, glad to know that I'm your favorite. Yeah, I ditched those other two losers, <laughs> and it's just you and me tonight, my friend, so I'm looking forward to it, and... Uh, Let's have some fun. Yeah, and the reason I had to have you on this one, because for listeners who might not remember, last time Jason was here, uh, he was with Jared and Delvin, and unlike those two, I guess I'll call them quitters, uh, you you stuck with the show, you stuck with Cheers, and you would, you would message me from time to time, hey, I just finished season eight, <laughs> something like that. I did, yes, yes, that's I'm true. I'm almost done with season ten, I'm, I'm, I'm getting close, and I'm like, all right, good, good to know that you, uh, that it, that inspired you to rewatch the whole series. It did inspire me to watch the whole series, I like I said, uh, the previous time I was on your show, I... This was kind of part of that that Thursday night lineup. I don't know if folks are old enough to remember, but this was like the best two hours of comedy on television. I, we talked about that a lot in the early episodes of this podcast. I mean, from Cosby Show, Family Ties, Cheers, and Night Court, that was just a powerhouse lineup that is hard. Yes, to, sir. Yeah. And we didn't know about Cosby. So, you know, <laughs> exactly. <don't> exactly. That. <laughs> that's, that's the thing that you have to kind of, every time you mention right. it, it's like, now, remember, this was 1984. We didn't know. And as your reward for, you know, watching through this whole series, uh, I gave you the unenviable task of helping me cover Season 2, Episode 20, Norman's Conquest. This episode is written by Lissa Levin, directed by James Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, February 23rd, 1984. 
Norm brings a new client to the bar, a woman named Emily, who is very friendly with him. The gang believes that Emily is interested in Norm romantically, and they encourage him to pursue a liaison with her beyond filing her taxes. Diane, and to a somewhat lesser extent Sam, are the only dissenting voices arguing that Norm shouldn't cheat on his wife. When Emily gets discouraged that Norm is spending all his time with his friends, he apologizes and offers to buy her dinner. She invites him back to her place for a home-cooked meal, and he nervously accepts. A couple hours later, Emily calls the bar looking for Norm, saying he dropped her off and went to park the car and never came back. Norm then returns to Cheers and tries to convince the gang that he had a wild night of insatiable lovemaking with Emily, but they crack up and reveal that they know the truth. Sam takes Norm into the pool room to talk, and there Norm confesses that not only has he never cheated on his wife, Vera, in fact, she is the only woman he has ever slept with, and he doesn't want anybody else. Sam and Diane, who was eavesdropping, applaud Norm's fidelity and honor, but when he goes back to tell the others that he's not ashamed of loving his wife, he quickly resumes his tradition of making fun of her. So, 2020, how does this humor hold up, Jason? <laughs> Let's peel back this onion. <laughs> uh, I, I definitely could not have had Maggie Schaefer-Hames on to talk about this episode. She did have a few words to say, I think. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I, I guess if I was going to sum it up, I would say in two words, this shows a, a little bit about toxic masculinity. <laughs> Yeah, quite so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we can't even kind of really go through like the the chronology of it. I think we kind of have to have to hit it pretty straight on. Most of the character, like the whole subject of this episode, but most of the characters are kind of behaving genuinely reprehensibly. From Cliff and even, I mean, Carla is encouraging this too. I mean, they are actively, for, and it's weird because initially when norm shows up i kind of i kind of felt like maybe they were hazing him and they were setting norm up for a fall because emily seemed nice and you know generally like interested but i didn't find her flirtatious or going out of her way to like present like send signals that she was really romantically interested i didn't get that at all until she's like hey well i don't want to be around people anymore why don't you come back to my place and i'll make dinner for you and then it's like okay yeah if he's already said she knows he's married, I was like, that's something else. But up until then, I was like, okay, you guys, like, seriously, where are you going with this? But yeah, like, their behavior, they're, they're saying that he should, you know, take whatever action he can get, and he shouldn't be messing around. And and Carla, Diane even puts that, and Carla's like, that's just the way of the world and everything. I was like, Carla has been cheated on before. She yes, should, right. she yeah, should not feel this way, but I think she's just kind of like... Maybe I I do think it is somewhat true to Carla's character the fact that like she is somebody who thinks because she has suffered so much she wants everybody else to suffer too she thinks that's justice yeah she she does get sometimes some perverse pleasure out of watching people suffer you know that's that is true the episode kind of reminded me of the season one episode the boys in the bar which deals with homophobia and sort of gay panic. Uh, and Sam being the lone voice who's not willing to throw what the gang perceives to be a gay couple out of his bar, even when everybody else thinks, you know, he, he's, you know, going to end up losing his bar because it, if it becomes a gay bar, all of his regulars will leave. Oh, right, right. Yeah, and I remember that one. That yeah. was another episode that was kind of touchy because it really presented 
the guys you love, like Norm and, and Carla and Cliff, in these really, it's like, guys, guys, why, you, you, don't, don't say these things. I want to love you. I want to root for you as a character. And you're kind of ticking me off. This was another episode that was kind of like that, but I didn't think it had necessarily the more virtuous angle. Um, yeah, I think, you know, for me, we talked a little bit about Carla, but we haven't really mentioned Cliff. The other guys, I kind of gave it a pass. Like they, like they were kind of clowning, and they're not really his friends. They're kind of his acquaintances. They pop up in the bar from time to time. But Cliff's supposed to be his boy, right? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, so so he should know. He should know how Norm really feels about Vera. He should. You know that he's met Vera a couple times and and knows her. So it's like. You know, if you think about the friends that you're closest to, it's like Mm -hmm. you would expect him to be a voice of reason at that point. But he just jumps on the pile with the rest of the guys. And And we've also we've seen uh, it from earlier in the season when like Norm and Cliff, like when when Norm was sort of separated and they were kind of like, you know, like making eyes at these other women across the bar. Like they have no game. Like they're, they're terrible. Like when girls actually approach them, they both clammed up and like couldn't do anything. So they they know that Norm is not like uh, like he he makes fun of Vera, but he's not like a Hellcat like on the prowl or anything. Like it's just like yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of found it funny because the episode the writer of this, uh, a woman named Lisa Levin, which for one thing I thought it was interesting that a woman wrote this. But it was also, this was her only her only Cheers uh, script. Now she wrote a bunch of episodes of WKRP in Cincinnati, um, and then she also worked on shows like Family Ties, Who's the Boss, Newhart, Mad About You, uh, Different World, Mr. Belvedere, a bunch of other stuff. Um, All right. So yeah, she she definitely had that credit, but I just kind of felt like I was I was struck by the fact that like for an episode about this subject that it was being written, but that it was written by a woman, but also like some of the things that we're talking about maybe. Maybe if they didn't think she had the best handle on some of these characters, it's the reason she never wrote another one. I I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, because, you know, the overall arc of the story, I mean, it it was kind of touching that he did have that moment where he confessed to Sam that he did love his wife. And I I think that's something that we always kind of suspected. But, Mm -hmm. you know, he actually comes out and says it at this point in time. So that that part was, you know, nice. I thought that, you know, then, of course, we we backslid (laughs) (laughs) down the road. But but, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. It was it was how the other characters related to him that just kind of felt off. I mean, even Sam. You know, Sam has always kind of been the peacemaker. That's kind of his his role in in the bar. And to go back to the there were there were a couple episodes that dealt with homosexuality, which you you alluded to before. And I was thinking back to the one where he had his baseball friend mm-hmm. that revealed in his book that he was gay, right. and he struggled with that for a moment, but you know, eventually came around and, and you know and and was accepting. So, you know, I, I just felt like he just kind of felt awkward, like, I don't even want to get into this. And and, it, and he started questioning his own commitment to Diane at one point. <laughs> He's like, holy crap, I've got to be monogamous. Dude. He had, like, I didn't even <laughs> yeah. thought of that. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of like this great little moment when when they think Norm has gone off to sleep with her and everything, and Diane is crushed. She's so disappointed. And Sam brings up the point. He's like, give the guy a break. He hasn't had that much experience. And she kind of comes back. She's like, you know what? I'm actually glad that you've had as many women as you've had because you won't be tempted anymore. You know what's out there, 
and now you'll be you'll be satisfied and you'll never have to look at another woman and he kind of like he's he's kind of taken aback by it. He's like, oh my god i never thought about that and she yeah there's a little warning light that went off in his mind right there yeah and she catches it too she's obviously like what do you mean you never thought like like she's like what she's like why does that seem so unappealing and he's like well hang on let's think about it it's like what happens if you died or you go insane and i think like even said like what if you don't age that well which is kind of like okay like the other one kind of like, like, don't, don't don't say that but but then he he brings up this crazy hypothetical which is so good he gets, you see him getting lost and it's like what happens if i was in a plane that goes down in the jungles of south america and i'm rescued by a tribe of huge women <laughs> I just love the way he, he starts naming them. Yeah, he's like, Hi, like Priestess Bettina makes me satisfy her, her womanly lust. He's like, come on, Diane, be realistic. You can't expect me to stay, to stay faithful like that. And, oh, man. So, that so, was yeah, funny. He, and he has these moments like where like when, when Norm is asking for his advice, he's he's kind of he's, – he's erring on the side of, Norm, you, you shouldn't do this. You should say – but he's not really putting his full weight on it. He's not being as firm as Diane is. He's kind of no. – you know, So I kind of felt like that was a little bit of a disappointment, but he makes up for it in the end when he, he, does, the, he, he does the peacemaker thing. He does this thing where he's like, Norm, let's go in the back and talk. And he brings him back there, and when you, you kind of see that moment when when Norm was like, "Hey, can I make a confession?" Sam's like, "No, I, I'd rather you did." <laughs> he kind of like he kind of is like, "Oh, oh god!" And I, it kind of made me wonder, like, I, I think Sam is somebody who kind of he does struggle. He probably he's he's not immediately comfortable with expressions of male intimacy and male friendship. That's that's not something, but. He is a good guy and a compassionate guy who knows, like, if somebody is in pain, he's going to hear him out. Like, he would rather they don't have to share, like, secrets about, like, what they're really feeling and everything like that. He would he would rather have more just kind of casual, superficial friendships. But if this is what it takes to help Norm, he's going to be there for him. Yeah, I think Sam consistently, he's what, what we would call a, a good man but a bad boy. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, it, one of the parts I really liked about that very subtle in that in that pool room was as they're talking and and Norm starts fidgeting like he's trying to hold a pitcher's pitch with the ball and yeah, yeah. And, and Sam just kind of it's almost like a father to son type of you know shows him how to and just in the middle of their conversation he's showing him how to yeah he's like to doing, hold like, the ball. Like, Giving him like the the hand position for like a split fingered like breaking ball or something like that for like a pitch right. like, like Norm is trying to get the hand right and like Sam is like actually and it, like it's just it's total like physical thing like they don't like linger on it they're they're talking about other stuff but Sam is kind of like showing them like how to do that and Norm is like okay okay it's like this really cool like kind of like teacher thing like Sam is like yeah this is how you do it and everything and that, yeah I I like I picked up on that too I love that moment that was a good one. Yeah, I don't know if that was written in the script or if they just improvised that, but uh, I thought, hey, that's really clever. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So, uh, so yeah, <laughs> Elephant in the Room, like 75% of this episode is kind of hard to watch through a modern sensibility, definitely. And even back then, it's kind of, I don't, I don't know how this might have been received. I mean, I it, like... Diane brings up an interesting point when she says, you know, Norm, you make so many jokes at Vera's expense that everyone just assumes you don't really care about her. Now, yeah. that's, that doesn't excuse it, but it does kind of explain their behavior, kind of, and like why they would be so encouraging for him to run off and commit adultery and everything. Especially when a large chunk of the season, Norm and Vera were separated, and like he like wanted her back, and he, he tried to get her back, so that is established. Yeah, yeah they so, do 
go through, they do kind of seesaw back and forth and have times where they're split up. And mm-hmm. yeah. and I think she didn't she get back with like a an old flame at one she, point. Yeah, she she went uh, she went on a date with um like one of his like high school friends like they they, they wrestled against, and that was one of the That's first right. times when when Norm was like really got jealous that she was seeing somebody else that he was willing to physically fight for her. Like when they got in their wrestling match, they ended up with him just like lying down on the floor like in like with their heads in like scissor kicks or something um yeah i think that uh you know as we're, we're kind of going through the characters and how they reacted to this drama that's going on and it was actually kind of interesting because this one didn't really have a b story that was happening alongside it you know like a lot of them do so i mean you're you're kind of long for the ride on this one and it's an uncomfortable ride right. some of the way yeah, and um, you kind of mentioned like the the gang that's really sort of encouraging Norm to to do this and go along. It's led by Cliff, and then you really get th- the three tertiary barflies who are kind of like the most, and it's all like recurring characters: Alan, Steve, and then Tim. And Tim, I've mentioned him before, played by a guy named Tim Cunningham. This is his, I think, third or fourth appearance. It's the first time they actually credit him as Tim. Like previous episodes, he's like had the names like Chuck or Greg or something in the credits. This point, they're like, all right, he's going to come back often. We're just going to call him Tim. He's not going to be like a big character. But when we need somebody else to say a line, we can give it to this guy. And then the other guest actor is uh, the woman Emily Phillips is played by the actress Anne Shadeen. Uh, who starred in Alf? She played Kate Tanner. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was like wondering where she. Uh, yeah. Like, she looks familiar, but I couldn't quite place her. Yeah, that that I, that was her big play that I knew her from. I just recognized she was the mom in Alf. Um, her first appearance ever in, in TV was an episode of the Six Million Dollar Man. Um, she also made appearances in Bionic Woman, Beretta, The Incredible Hulk, uh, Three's Company, Simon and Simon, Magnum PI. She did a bunch of like his like a sort of genre TV and stuff like that during this time. Yeah, I was a big Magnum fan, so I'm sure I saw her on there <laughs> at some point in time. A few other little notes and everything. Um, I, I, there are some good jokes in here, and there's some funny parts, so I, I do want to make sure that we touch upon those. But uh, one thing, the episode Norman's Conquest is a reference to the Norman Conquest of England. This was the Duke of Normandy's victory at the Battle of Hastings in 1066. That's what the title is referencing. Um, the teaser for this one. Hey, well, the teaser was safe because there wasn't anything like that. Um, there's this uh, a group of older women in the back pool room having some kind of like meeting or something, and Diane has to bring a huge order over to them, and she's like, you know, I can't make it. Like, I'll have to make two trips or something. And and Carla kind of right. her. She's like, you're not a real waitress. I could do it all in one trip. And this forces Diane to have one beer on top of her head. I'm convinced that they did this just because Shelley Long could actually do that. She could balance up there, and like they just made that into like an episode. I noticed during that scene, if I may, if you watch the people that are watching her make that trek down the hallway, it doesn't look like they're acting. It looks like they're like genuinely like, I want to see what's going to happen. They're all leaning in the watch. Can she make it out of the frame? Can she make it to the edge of the like the hallway when we yeah. cut away or something like that? Yeah. Um, and then the beautiful thing is she, we just see her walking down the hallway. We don't actually see the reaction. But Carla goes to the hallway and just shouts, hey, look, it's Lawrence Welk. And you just hear these women like, get, like freaking out and everything. And a stampede 
heed of when they come out of here. And you just hear Shelly just screaming in the background and the glasses breaking and shattering and everything. And like the onrush of like these women is so much that D- Carla actually has to leap out of the way. She has to jump on the bar stools to get clear. I liked how, how Carla was egging her on too because uh, you're right. She had like the two trays and she was going to make two trips and she's like, hey, you know, I could have done it in one trip. A real waitress could do it in one trip. And then she's like, okay. And she looks a little uncertain, but she's got both of them. And then and then uh, Coach Pantuzo is like, oh, one more beer, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the look on her face is... <laughs> um, when Norm comes in with Emily, when he brings her in, you know, Coach is like, hey, could this be the Vero we've all heard about? And Norm's like, well, maybe with a lot of expensive surgery, you know. <laughs> Yeah. That's right. With a lot of expensive surgery, maybe. Yeah. And I, I like it when she's like, I like this bar. She's like, do you come here often? And he's like, well, what do you consider often? And she's like, well, you know, two or three times a week. He's like, no, I don't come here then. I don't then come. I don't come here often. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, oh, man. So one of the, the other barflies, that guy Steve – he, I think more than anything, like he, he, he comes off really annoying in this episode. Like, and I, like he, he's not a big brother. And I don't know if he was supposed to be just more drunk than he was supposed to be, or something like that, or, or what it is. Because there's the point when Diane is, you know, trying to be very complimentary towards Emily because she's a business owner, and Diane is talking about how like the great strides that women have made in the workforce and and becoming leaders and bosses. And this is undercut by the Steve guy going, he's like, hey, lady, I'm dry over here, you know, shake it or something like to get over here and just very obnoxiously and everything. And and the point is to make, you know, basically bring Diane low that, you know, she's not the boss here. She's in a position of, you know, service and everything like that. And then later when, like, Steve is, like, walking Norm back and, and uh, Emily says something from the table, she's like, hey, Norm, are you coming? And, and he kind of, like, yells at her. He's like, hey, lady, he's going to take care of you. Don't worry. And I was like... <laughs> Okay, so now he's going to take care of you. Yeah, it's like this guy is acting at like a 12, and this should be dialed down like way, way lower than, than this. And that's why I was like, is he is he supposed to be acting like, like particularly drunk, or is this just, you know, the actor really wanted to make an impression so he'd be called back for the next episode? I don't know. And I mean, he kind of, even his looks, he, he just kind of, uh, he just kind of looks like a jerk face, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he kind of does, yeah. Uh, oh, there's the moment when, you know, the, the guys are making all their double entendres when Norm walks back and they're like, yeah, have you, like, you know, whatever, like, gone over her digits and everything like that and, like, making all sorts of jokes about, you know, puns related to taxes and everything. And they're like, yeah, I think she likes you, but let's cons- let's uh, let's submit the question to our resident expert on womenology. And Coach starts talking. He's like, well, I wouldn't call myself that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Coach had a couple good lines in here. I'd say I'd say Coach was largely in character. Yeah, yeah. during this episode, and man, it's like as I watched this because I I fairly recently finished my trek through all was it eleven seasons, right? Yep, yep. You know, and I was like, man, I miss Coach. Yeah, and the, yeah, and he. I mean, gosh, he's only in. He's not even in all of season three. So yeah, we're running a, we're running a, out of episodes with him. But uh. I know, but those were great. Uh, I wrote down in my notes that Diane refers to the other guys as bladderskites, and I had to look up that word. Cause I've heard that. Oh, you that. looked it up. What did it mean? Because I it's, was curious. It's somebody. Well. It's a person who talks nonsense, basically. Like just somebody who, like just speaks in just like like gibberish or or untruths, nonsense, fake news type of thing, type of that. Yeah, but it's. I'd like, say she nailed it then. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So. 
they actually, like, the three sort of tertiary guest barfly guys, they get a lot of, like, dialogue and action in this episode. Almost... They do. Almost on equal, if not more so than Cliff. Like, really, like, they're they're all at equal level. And I wonder if that kind of softens it because we needed... I don't want to call them villains, although it's easier to put that, but like we needed more antagonists. We needed a group of people yeah. to gang up on Norman, really put the pressure on him. But you can't have that many of your characters be unlikable and be advocating this really kind of cruel behavior. So they needed to beef up the other guys. I think that's what this episode needed. Because you, like, you couldn't have had Sam and Coach be in those positions. You couldn't have had them get, doing the same dialogue. It just wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have been in, in character. And it would have made you not like those guys. And you can't have that for your regulars. Yeah, no, I I, I think Coach was definitely in character, you know, and he's <laughs> – He's tr- he's trying to prepare himself if if Vera calls, you know, what am I going to say, you know? Yeah. The phone rings, he's like, I can't lie. I can't lie, Mrs. That was the name. What does Cliff say? He's like, if you had been at the Alamo, we would have, uh, how does he phrase it? We'd all be wearing sombreros. sombreros. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Norm goes off with her, he comes back, and they already know at this point that he didn't go through with it, that it, what they call, he, he, you know, he wussed out, or he, again, but he comes back, and he's, you know, has his shirt untucked, his tie disheveled and everything, and he's like, oh, she was an animal, he has a fake hickey from, who knows, oh yeah, he does expect, he's got a mini, a mini vacuum in his car. Mini vac in his car? Yeah. Um, and so they, they let him do this whole act and everything, trying to present, well, meanwhile, they know the truth and everything, and and when Sam takes him in, into the back, Cliff has this line, and I remember because this was on, like I think, like the the hundredth episode, you know, highlight reel. When Cliff says, "What a pathetic display! I'm ashamed God made me a man," and Carla's reaction is just priceless. Yeah, what she she says something to the effect like, "He's not too proud of it himself." Yeah. something like that. Yeah, I don't think God's doing a lot of bragging about it either. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah, that, yeah. that was funny. I I really like the scene in the bar, bar in the back, and I think that's that's really it's a good. We get some good moments between Sam and Norm. We see kind of their friendship and and Norm being showing that he is a good guy and everything like that. But he's it's he's kind of from this this school where he you know he that that's sort of frowned upon or something like that, and he, he you know he's too much. It's the episode has very negative views on what makes a man and manliness. Um, the interactions between men and manhood and everything. Even Diane's counter argument when she comes in and she says, you know, like being a being monogamous and being a one woman guy, that's what real women want and everything like that. I I even kind of found that a little bit awkward because it's still kind of she's defining manhood based on female relationships too. Right. Uh, so yeah, it was just weird. And again, like I don't know if if the the writer if this was her views of, on the subject or if this was just something that – a topic that she wanted to address. Like if she thought she was being more more kind to Norm in this episode by by giving him this, you know, information that, you know, like not, you know, not only is he really in love with Vera and faithful to her, but, you know, she's the only woman he's been with and he's completely committed to her that way. And yeah, God, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's – it's it- – yeah, and I guess for me, it, it's, it goes back to that toxic masculinity. It, mm-hmm. It's being a man means having a lot of conquests. He's got to defend himself that he's loved the same woman his own life, his whole life. You know that to me, that was like oh, that's that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I guess we, we're looking at it from a 2020 lens and we're saying, you know, they're different types of people and, and, you know, it's like, I, I don't know. I, I guess to me, it just, it seemed like it almost came together in that pool room and then it fell apart in the final, and, final act. And I think one of the, one of the reasons why it's kind of hard to talk about this is because there, there's even another thing, you're right, where it's, it's coming back. They, they do it sort of twice when, like, Norm basically gets Sam to admit, he's like, yeah, he absolutely loves Diane and he's completely faithful to her. But then he makes a joke at Diane's expense, too. Like, he, he makes fun of her. And Norm is like, see, you're doing the same thing that I do with Vera. And it's because you don't want to look like you're whipped. He's like, because every guy doesn't want to look like a wuss. They, they want to, like, to. And you're kind of like, by the end, Diane comes in and she, she builds him up. And he falls into that same trap where when he goes out, he tells them how much he loves Vera, and and then he starts tearing her down too. And it's like, okay, this behavior is not unfamiliar, and I'm certainly guilty of this too. Like, I mean, I, I joke about her, but I also joke about myself, and and I make a mostly self-deprecating jokes about my marriage and my relationships and everything, trying to put myself in the foolish position. But like. Yeah, it's just I I don't know. It's 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 a weird subject that's just I I, I don't know how much we can talk about this cuz I don't have any answers. Yeah, I guess, you know, cuz as a married man myself, too. I mean, yeah, there's some times when you're hanging out with your mm-hmm. with your buddies, uh but you know, you 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 kind of joke around. Like I I was, you know, I made a joke one time and said like if my wife's was the voice of one of those navigator systems in your car, you know, she would have been like, you needed to go that way, you know, because <laughs> she's always giving me the past tense direction, you know, <laughs> so, but there's a, there's a bit of truth to that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not meant to be hurtful. It's meant to, it's meant to be, it's meant to be joking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I, 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 yeah, I think I spend more of my time praising, uh, singing my wife's praises than I do, you know, ha- laughing at her expense. Yeah. I, I'm I'm trying to bring it down, and again, I'm trying to compare it to that that episode, uh, the boys in the bar from season one, where it presented this idea of like homophobia and gay panic, and it made some of the characters look bad. But ultimately, the show wasn't making fun of gays; it was making fun of the homophobes. And I think this episode is trying to do that. It's trying to show that the problem isn't with Norm being like weak. The problem is like this sort of toxic masculinity and this sort of bullying culture within groups of men to be promiscuous and to 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 step out and 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 to be driven by sexual conquests and things like that. But but ultimately, the I think the the episode is supposed to side with Norm being virtuous and being monogamous and being committed to his wife. But it feels like it doesn't quite get there because the numbers are so like kind of overwhelmingly against him because we really don't get that until the last couple of minutes. And also because it's undercut because he's like still eventually like a prisoner of, he has to keep his fidelity to Vera a secret almost. Yeah. He can't, yeah, not almost. Disc- it, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's. He can't be public about that. He has to bring her down in front of the guys, and I think that's that's the problem. Is that and not a one of those guys has a has a relationship worth <laughs> right. worth anything. You could tell. So it's like, yeah, it's like I don't know. 
And what was that song that they were singing? Remember when they're like, nah, 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 nah. yes, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even know if it's an actual song or if they, I mean, if they made it up on the spot, kudos to them for like harmonizing and knowing the lyrics. But yeah, I don't know if that's a, if that's an old song from like the fifties or sixties that they were familiar with, but if anybody's listening, if, they, I, know, if they know that song. Yeah. Let us know. Cause they were on point with it. They, mm-hmm. <laughs> the three of them knew it or four of them knew it. Yeah. And I think too, going back to your, the homophobia uh, comment that you made before in that episode, we saw Sam really shut that down. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was worried about the business of the bar for a half a second, but at the end he made a very decisive, like, if you're going to leave, leave, but mm-hmm. everybody's welcome here. Yeah. You know, and we didn't see really that decisiveness in him here. We saw him just kind of wishy-washy, and, and I think maybe that's it. You know, maybe we needed our, our we needed our peacemaker Sam, our good man, bad boy, to make a decisive decision and shut it down. And in, in, in that because fall. because he could have like they they like Sam and they they respect and they defer to Sam enough that if he had just said, dude. You're married. You, you you can't do this. You shouldn't do this. Just go out there, have it, have a drink with her, and take her home or something like this. But no, you can't do this. And and if he kind of to- basically told the guys, "Hey, lay off, leave them alone, don't screw around with this," then I think they would have shut up. They would have they would have been reluctant to do it. But I think they would have just kind of given up on the subject. And yeah, it would it would have ended the subject. I yeah, think. and and the fact that he didn't. But then yeah, and then you kind of left with the question like I mean. Again, like I, I didn't get any sense from Emily that she wanted this until she actually like, yeah, come back to my place. That's like, ah, okay, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about her. But well, for me, it was when they asked Sam, and Sam's like, she's into you. That that's you know, for me, that's what sold it because yeah. if anybody's gonna know it, Sam. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, any final thoughts on this kind of awkward subject, awkward episode? <laughs> well, uh, you brought me on a good one. I we promise I will have say. you back for a better episode in the future. <laughs> I'll make it up to this you. Was, this wasn't a bad episode. I laughed out loud in, in several places, but yeah, it, it this is one that probably does not hold up well in the modern lens. Um, for Norm's tab, given the fact that this was a such a Norm-centric episode, I think he only had two beers in this one because he was moving around so much and kind of like... He ha- he had so much to do in this episode that he didn't get a chance to just sit down and drink. Um, so yeah, I'm only giving him credit for two in this episode, which means his total for the series at this point is 186. Um, I was thinking he would be able to get to 200 by the end, but we've only got two episodes left in this season. I don't know if he can get 14 in those two episodes. We shall see. Did he get? Um, did he hit the century mark in season one? Uh, he, he felt just shy. He was at 98 by the end of season one. So he felt, oh, right. he felt just short of a hundred in season one. Uh, mm, I, okay. I have a feeling he'll fall a little bit short of 200 in this season, but we'll find out. We'll find out. No spoilers yet. Um, okay. Jason, who did you have for your employee of the week for this episode? Who did you think was the MVP? Man, I kind of went around on this. I got to go with Diane. Because mm-hmm. Diane was the one I thought that was was behaving the most consistent, as Diane usually does. You know, she's she's very educated, but not as smart as <laughs> or as worldly as she'd like to believe. Mm-hmm. But she did really try to do the the nice and honorable thing, and 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 was a voice of reason mm-hmm. uh, in that sea of toxic masculinity. <laughs> 
So I was kind of weighing it. You know, I was, I was giving some nods to Coach. I was giving some nods to Sam. But at the end, I think it was Diane. I like given that her virtuousness and her virtue and what she's like trying to accomplish is to, to, to build Norm up as being this noble, virtuous guy. Within that, we see a bit of her hypocrisy too because when she comes into the pool room at the end and she admits that she was eavesdropping, she's like, I couldn't help but overhearing what you're doing. And they're like, how much did you hear? She's like, well, all of it. I found out accidentally that if I wet my ear and press it up against the back stall. Yeah. If you go into the last stall yeah. in the ladies' room, like, really, you found that ear. out accidentally. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like, how did that accidentally happen, Diane, that you overheard the entire conversation? So I like that. Um, yeah, I thought about Sam. I thought about Diane. I, I gave it to Norm. Obviously, it was a Norm-centric episode. I thought he did a really good job in the final scene when when he was being truthful and revealing that to uh, to Sam and everything, like the whole history. And and he had some of my favorite lines and just the range of going, you know, just kind of like having this new client and then being sort of like petrified by her when she says, "Hey, I was missing you over there." And he's like, "Would you excuse me?" Like he's like half in the seat and has to run away. Yeah, I, I yeah, he was funny. He was funny. Uh, all right, I have a couple of lines from my home run for the episode. Uh, what was your? What did you think was the best gag or the most dramatic moment for the episode? Oh, I wrote down like five of them. <laughs> yeah. and you, you you grabbed one already with the with the Diane. Uh, I discovered accidentally that if you go yeah. in the last old ladies' room, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Well, I th- okay, I, I I'm gonna go with my absolute number one pick was when Coach says. The emptiness of their lives causes them to cast dispersions on their own. And Diane goes, Coach, you can say that again. He says, no, I can't. That was just so funny. No, I can't. Yeah, I, I had a couple too. Um, I like when when Diane comes in the back and she's she's telling Norm, she's like, "I don't think you should live your life by, in deference to some beer swilling swine." And Norm's like, "Gee, I always have." <laughs> yeah, that's so. right. The other one I liked also was was from Coach when uh, <laughs> uh, that one uh, who was this that, that tells uh, uh, one of them tells Norm. If you were a woman, we we'd have a name for you. Oh, it was uh oh, it was Diane. She's yeah. like, if you were a woman, we'd have a name for you. And coach is like, I always like Becky. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, I like just before Norm storms off and he goes into the other room to tell the guys. He's like, he's like taking a stand. He's like, my marriage is my most prized possession, and next to my Honda Civic, my only possession. <laughs> 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 or when they asked him, uh, how many clients did uh, you say you had? 75. thought 150 might be too much for a guy that works out the trunk of his car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like those. I think, I think one of my favorites might be just Sam's reaction when uh, Norm tells him, he's like, you know, my wife, she's like, Vera's the only woman I've ever had. And he's like, now when you say had, Norm's like, yes, that's what I mean. He's like, and and Sam just kind of laughs. He's like, oh, "Come on, come on, you got to be serious." He's like, "I am." He's like, "Oh well, that's no problem. That's fine. Everything is just like." Sam's quick, quick, like his his honest, his genuine, just instinctive kind of like laughing. It's like, really? She's the only woman you've been with? Like everything? And then when Norm's like, "Yes," it's like, "Oh hey, that, there's nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly fine." The way he has to change so quickly in that moment, I love that. Well, what was the line that he says to him? I think it was in, in the same scene and. Mm-hmm. 
Sam, you've had you know tons of movies. Yeah, but I'm me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, he's like, do you think? He's yeah, like, I mean, you're you. Yeah. How does he say? He's like, do you think like all those you know like all those nights of meaningless sex brought me a lot of joy, pleasure or something? And Norm's like, yeah, tons. He's like, well, that's me. He's like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah. He's like, oh, of course it did, but I'm me, and you're you're different. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, there were some really funny lines in this movie or this uh, episode. There were, there were, and that's why I say, I mean, I don't think there is a single bad episode in this show. Um, there are some that are all-time amazing, and there are some that just are less rewatchable. Um, but even ones that have some difficult subject matter in a modern context, and some that are just kind of uh, awkward, like this one, I do think. I mean. The show was really well acted. It was really well written, and uh, the performances are great. So, it's still worth talking about. Even so, thank you for coming on the show and coming back to to talk about this episode with me. This was fun. Oh man, I had a great time, and uh, uh, thanks for inspiring me to uh, trek through Cheers and uh, for having me back. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for for doing it yourself too, because obviously Jared and Delvin don't like me that much to do it, but. Uh, uh, they, don't, they don't have taste. They don't have taste. Uh, speaking of those guys, where else can you be found in the podcastosphere? Well, you can find us, uh, like you mentioned earlier, we're on uh, the Long Box Crusade net- Network. So you can find us on all your podcatchers there on uh, uh, Long Box Crusade. Uh, we put together some uh, shows about comic books, some shows about uh, some retro television series like 1936 Flash Gordon and uh, 1954 Sherlock Holmes. We do action film face-off where my brother and I get to talk about action movies and uh, uh, we rate them and score them and have a good time. Um, and uh, if you're a James Bond fan, you can find us uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. Uh, also on all the finest podcatchers, uh, where we uh, go through all the James Bond films uh, one at a time. We've just finished going through all of them, but we're going to come up with a special graduation episode for our rookie agents, Delvin and Pat, who have now watched all the James Bond movies, 1 through 24. <laughs> and uh, we're gonna, we've got a nice little surprise coming up uh, for them, which will be a lot of fun and you won't want to miss. Very, very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, thank you again for being on the show. Listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in. You can support the show by liking and sharing on Facebook and Twitter, or you can leave a comment on the website at fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. I was gonna, I was almost gonna ask you, Jason, do you know how to become a Patreon subscriber? <laughs> I've been told that I am not allowed to be a Patreon subscriber. I've been, somehow I got blackballed from this, uh, from this, uh, uh arena here. <laughs> A uh, special thanks to all of our patrons, especially Mike Gillis from Radio vs. the Martians, Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents Unpacking the Power of the Power Pack, and Tim Price. I know those guys. <laughs> and Tim Price, who sponsor this show. For more information, Timmy! Timmy! For more information on how you can support the network in general, or this podcast in particular, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thank you everyone for listening, and until next time, we're closed. Sammy, yeah. Can I make a confession to you right now? Oh, please don't. I, 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 I love my wife. Well, at least that's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, well, just wait a second. It gets worse. Oh, God. Vera is the only woman I've ever had.
Now, <clears throat> now when you say had, <laughs> you mean yes. <laughs> Come on, man, be serious. I am. Well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? <laughs> 